From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. We start a series because if, if you look around and if you're like me, you, you live life. And sometimes life doesn't seem like rainbows and lollipops, but it kind of seems like a battle. It kind of seems like a war. You go throughout each and every single day, you go to your workplace, you go to your schools, you interact with any person from your home to your neighbor, to the grocery store clerk, to the bank teller, to whomever, and you feel like you're in a battle. We're in a battle. And so over the next four weeks, we're declaring war in this battle. And, you know, this, today, I felt the battle. I felt the battle strong. <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night because we had kids that were up and, and, you know, because they weren't getting sleep. And, you know, if kids don't get sleep, you don't get sleep. And so it's just this cycle. And so we woke up without sleep. And I'm like, great, Sunday, no sleep. I can do this. We can do this. And then we came here, and there was just problems after problems after problems. But I recognize that we're in a battle. Jesus said this. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. He doesn't say that in this life, it's going to be easy, and you're going to get rewarded, and it's going to, you know, your bank account's going to be full every time, you know, and every relationship you ever have is going to be perfect. He doesn't say that. He says, in this life, you will have trouble. That was, that was Jesus, that was God incarnate, that was the Lord. But then he says, but take heart, it's okay, breathe, because I've overcome the world. He has overcome the world. The Bible actually talks about a few battles, or a few sources of this battle. The first is against the devil. Uh, the Bible describes the devil as Satan. His name is, he's got a few different names, Satan, Lucifer, the accuser. But he is a fallen angel that is working tirelessly and endlessly against every and anything godly. He hates God and he is bent on destruction. And so as you move forward in your faith journey, as you take steps, maybe in 21 days of prayer and fasting, he is going to work against you. And I said this already earlier, think of like, think of an actual battle. Who, who does the enemy attack in an actual battle? He doesn't attack people that aren't a threat. He doesn't. They don't go for the people that, that aren't going to cause them problems. They make sure they take out the people that are going to cause them problems. And so as you move forward in your faith, the enemy turns up his, his tactics a little bit, his power a little bit, and he works against you. That's the first source of, of our battle. The second source that the Bible talks about is the world. And it's not planet Earth. It's not that we're at war against planet Earth and the people of, of this Earth. We're actually called to be stewards of the world. Did you know that? We're called to be stewards. Like you see that in Genesis 1. The original mandate was to be stewards of all that God had given us. We're not at battle with the world. It's the worldview. It's the values and ethics and, 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 the, and the worldview system that, that this society and this culture and anything that is opposite of God has set itself up. So when we move forward in our faith... And as a believer, as we take steps forward in God, we're going to find ourselves um, living in a way and following a, a biblical worldview in such a way that opposes the worldview of those around us. And so you're going to feel the tension. You're going to feel the temptation. You're going to feel the struggle. You're going to feel the battle, the battle to give in, to be like, to conform to what people are doing around you. That's the second source. And the third source is ourselves. The third source is the battle that takes place within 
The Bible says that this is the battle against the flesh, our flesh, calls it the flesh, our sinful nature, and the spirit. And I find, and maybe you're like me, that that's more often where the battle happens. Yes, the enemy works against us, and yes, we, we, we square off against the worldview and systems and values and ethics of this world, but more often daily, we're feeling the struggle inside. And so that's what this series is all about, is about the battle that takes place on the inside and overcoming that battle by declaring war. And there's incredible power in declaring war. There's incredible power in setting your mind and your heart on a singular direction and saying, enough is enough, I'm going this way. So in, in, the, in the book, Levi Lesko shares the story of, of former President 26th, I think it was, President of the United States, um, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, before he was in, in presidency, he was in, he was in a battle. He was in a war, the Battle of San Juan Hill in 1898. And in his journals, he describes the moment that he set his heart to go all in. It says that he was, as he was crossing the battlefield, he was crossing a barbed wire fence. I shared this last week if you were here. He was crossing a barbed wire fence, and he determined in himself, and he felt the power of a wolf rise up inside of him. And witnesses say from that moment on that he fought like a man possessed because he was determined to win the war. And win the war he did. And so that's what we need to do as we, as we wage war on ourselves is we need to determine to win. We need to determine to move forward. And so this morning, you, you know, for those of you who are new, we, it's not often we have an extended period at the altar like this. But it's important because if we're going to be Bible-believing people... If we're going to follow what the scriptures say, then let's do what the scriptures say. And let's pray for healing. And let's lay our hands on people. And let's anoint. And I'm, I'm, just so you know my heart and my thinking, my perspective, I believe the supernatural happens very naturally. I, I don't think the supernatural has to be crazy. <laughs> I don't think the supernatural has to be weird. I don't think the supernatural has to look kooky. So I think that people can come in and be like, okay, that's a little different. It's a little outside my comfort zone. But it makes sense, right? So yeah, the Bible says, let's pray for it. Let's pray for it. So let's do it. Let's not just say we do it. Because I find in churches today, we often have that. There's a battle that's raging in churches where we say we believe the Bible, we don't practice what the Bible says. So that's just part of what you saw this morning. As we wage war, as we battle against ourselves, we do things like this. We pray for people because we're in it together. We're in it together. Matthew chapter uh, 15 today is where we're going to hang out. And um, I'm going to do my best this morning because I've lost a significant amount of my notes in this battle that I had today, but it's all right. Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says this. He says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Let, us, let me pray for us, and then we'll really get into this. Father God, we're just so grateful and thankful for this morning. Lord, I just bless you. I bless you that you take plans and you change plans. I bless you, God, that you take uh, a, a, an order of service, God, and you just flip the switch a little bit, Lord. I'm thankful for the testimony this morning. I'm thankful for the testimonies that are going to happen. I'm thankful for the people that came forward, God, and had a willingness in their heart, God, to see you move in their life. And I just, again, I pray for healing. I speak healing. I believe in faith for it. Lord, I, I hold you to your word that says you have not because you ask not. I hold you to your word that says ask and you shall receive. God, I hold you to your word that says to be persistent in prayer. And so we just believe in faith for healing this morning. But I pray, Father God, even more so, Lord, that in this series as we declare war, God, on the battle that rages within us, 
Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for forward movement. I pray for change, Lord. Last week, we, you know, God, we talked about our thoughts. And I pray this week as we talk about something else, Lord, that you would just change us, that you'd make us a little bit more like your son, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Um, I don't know what rules were like in your house growing up, but in my house, rules were pretty clear. And none probably more clear, and I think I've shared this before, none more clear than you got to finish all the food on your dinner plate before you get to leave the table. Anybody like that? Anybody have that rule growing up? Three of us? Okay. All three of us, we're going to have a powwow after because you all understand and none of you are going to get this. Well, in my house, we, uh, we couldn't leave the dinner table until everything that was on our plate was eaten. And I have, I have very vivid memories of spending hours at the dinner table with my sister laughing and joking and just, I don't even think eating, but just poking the, the leftover vegetables that were sitting on the plate. Because it's always the vegetables, right? You don't, you don't leave any of the good stuff. You, you, you just, it was the gross vegetables. And in my house, my, my family, I, you know, mom, if you're listening to this later on, she does. I, I love you. But we didn't have proper vegetables. We just had like, like canned stuff and, you know, there was no fresh it was, the cans were probably like decades old too, who knows, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, mom, I love you. But, but more often it was just poking away at these, uh, these vegetables and, and you, you, cannot, you cannot trick your parents, you cannot cheat, you don't, you don't try to throw them in the garbage because most of the time when we're sitting at the dinner table, they're not waiting there for hours, they're going and doing something. And so you don't try to throw them in the garbage or hide them because like, like my parents did, and probably your parents do, and now that I'm a parent, I also do, we have eyes on the back of our head, right? We see and we know everything. The other day, I was helping put one of my sons to bed. It was like, it was like last week. And I'm watching him look in the mirror, and he's like trying to look at the, the back of his head. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, I, I want to see what's, what the back of my head looks like. And so, well, I'll tell you. And I started combing through his hair. I said, oh, you got some eyes growing back there. And he goes, no, I don't. And I just kind of smiled. And, I'm like, hmm? and he goes, do you have eyes on the back of your head? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and then he proceeded to follow behind me for the remainder of like 10 minutes. And he's like, can you see me? And I'm like, I can hear his footsteps, right? So I'm like, yeah, I can see you. I can see you. I was sitting at the dinner table as a kid, knowing my parents had eyes on the back of their head, knowing I had to eat this food. But on this particular night, it was a special night because not only did I know that they were watching me somewhere, they weren't even in the room. They had eyes in the, in the kitchen somewhere. And it was, this was like years ago. There wasn't like cameras that you can set up in t technology like it is today. But the, today was a special night because if I ate all the food off my plate, we were going to go to the movie theater. We were going to go to the movie theater. It was movie night. And I seem to recall that it was the movie Men in Black, like the first one. But that can't be right because my parents would never let us watch that. But if I ate all the food off my plate, not only would I not have to face my parents' wrath but I would get to go to the movies. The problem was that on this particular plate was carrots and no gravy to be seen. If you know me, I love gravy. And I do not like cooked carrots unless it's part of a roast beef dinner and there's some gravy. And so there's the cooked carrots there and I did what any kid would do knowing that you are incredibly fearful of your parents and you really, really want to go to the movies as I took those carrots and I shoved them into my mouth as quickly as I could, I chewed them as quickly as I could, and I swallowed as quickly as I could. I did not want them to linger there any quicker than they needed to be. <laughs> now, what happened was my inner self started talking to myself and said, this is not good for us. And immediately I knew something was going to occur. Those cooked carrots did not stay down. 
they came back up. But because I have very, very quick reflexes, I caught those cooked carrots before they even exited my mouth. And I found myself like a chipmunk with cheeks full of cooked carrots. I'm just being truthful. I'm just being truthful. So here I am at the dinner table, mouth full of cooked carrots, and I look at my, my older, wiser sister for, for advice, right? If you have an older sibling, you know that they're smarter than you, they're wiser than you. And so I'm a, I'm a young kid. I, I should know what to do, but I don't know what to do because I'm just frozen in fear. And so I turned to my wiser sister. But before she could bestow on me her wisdom, I thought I need to go to the garbage can because I just need to go to the garbage can and get these cooked carrots out. So I run over to the garbage can and I hear the wisdom of my older wiser sister say, no, no. So I stop and I turn to go to the only other reasonable spot in their kitchen was the sink. And I go to run towards the sink and she's like, no, no. And in her wisdom, her wealth of knowledge and years of experience, she told me the correct place to throw up was not in the garbage can in the kitchen, not in the sink, but on the floor. And so out came the carrots onto the floor. Now, do you think that my parents were happy? No. No, they were not happy. And I can tell you for a fact that I don't recall if we even went to the movies that night. But that memory is forever stored in my brain because of what went into my mouth and what came out of my mouth. And Jesus tells, has this conversation with some Pharisees. Pharisees are, are strict adherents to the Old Testament law. And on this particular occasion in Matthew chapter 15, these Pharisees come to Jesus to challenge him because Jesus' disciples weren't following the traditions of the elders. They weren't washing their hands before they ate their food. And so Jesus, if you read the story, you know the story, he had some very choice words for these Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. Straight out, he called them hypocrites. He quoted a prophet, Isaiah, that said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Imagine hearing that from someone, right? Someone just calls you out like that. And then he proceeds to say this in Matthew chapter 15. He says, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. It's not that what goes into our mouth that defiles us, take that germs, but what comes out of our mouth defiles us. It's not what we eat, it's what we speak. What we speak has the power to defile our lives. I think more than anything that we encounter externally, even more than what we think, what we say has the ability to ruin the work of God in and around our life. And so as part of the I declare war idea, we need to declare war on what we say. We need to declare war on what we say because our words are powerful. We have in, uh, in our neighborhood a couple of neighborhood huskies, I like to call them. Huskies are beautiful, beautiful dogs. And the other morning I saw them wrestling in, in their yard and it looked like something out of a National Geographic wildlife movie. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally got my eyes on a set of wolves here in their natural habitat. But it wasn't natural, obviously. It's obvious. And so these, uh, these are neighborhood huskies and they like to howl. They like to howl like wolves. So in the evening time, usually after we put the kids to bed, the first 30 minutes is like the crucial time, 
right? Because you don't really know if kids are sleeping or not. And, you know, we like to just relax a little bit on the couch. I'm a Tostitos and salsa kind of guy, so I grab the jalapeno, hint of jalapeno Tostitos and salsa, and I sit on the couch, and I just go to town, and it's lovely. But our ears are always perked to what we could hear. You know, if it's our boys, they're older, six and four, and so usually we can say, hey, be quiet, go back to sleep. You know, if it's, if it's Emmy, she's, you can't just say, hey, be quiet. She's a baby. She's 15, 16 months old now. Usually one of us is going to spend some time rocking her. And so our ears are perked. And sometimes we can hear this, this distinct sound that can sound like it's coming from the baby's room, but it's not. It's the neighborhood huskies howling in the wind. It sounds so much majestic than it actually is in the moment. Did you know that, that the wolf howl? When wolves howl, they howl for more reasons than we know. Wolves actually, um, they howl in celebration of, of a meal, just like us. You know, when you finish having a good meal, you're like, ah, it was great, you know. They howl in celebration of a good meal. They howl in sadness. They howl in sadness. They howl, howl to communicate to one another. I'm over here. I'm okay. They howl just because they want to howl, just because they want to open their mouths. And that sounds like some people I know. But this one's pretty, pretty cool. Did you know that, that wolves, actually, they vary their pitch, not howling in harmony, but actually achieve dissonance. And because of that, it actually sounds like there's more wolves howling than, just, than there actually really are. So they sound larger as a pack than they really are. The wolf howl is incredibly powerful. And you are incredibly powerful when you speak. When you open your mouths and the words you choose to use, they have power. They have weight. They have value to them. The words you use could literally impact or infect or wreck heart, body, soul, and mind. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said this in verse 36. He says, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. Your words have so much power that on the day of judgment, and this is in the end, when we stand before God, we're going to sit down and have a conversation on the words we choose, chose to use. And we're not having a conversation on the good stuff. Well, maybe that's part of it. But it's not just like, hey, remember when you said to, you know, Sally Ann that she was doing a great job? Good job. He says, no, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation on the idle words. The ones that kind of just, you know, the ones that come out of your mouth, you're like, oh, mm, you immediately regret those are the ones that we're going to have a conversation about. And he goes on to say, he says, your words, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So we're going to stand before God, be accountable to every word that comes out our mouth, and that will determine our place in heaven. Some of us are going to be sitting in the back, not because it's the cool seats, but like think of a concert when you get the grass you know, you're not even on the grass. You're, in the, you're still in the parking lot behind the fence because the words we use, that's just my own illustration. That's not actually in the Bible, just so you know. But we're accountable to the idle words that we choose to use. And so if our words have power and we're accountable to our words, then here's, what, here's the truth for you. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then he needs to be Lord of your lips. If Jesus is, is the God of our life, then he needs to be the God of our words. We can't say that Jesus is Lord and him not be that. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he needs to be Lord of your thoughts. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he needs to be Lord of your, of your actions. 
But if Jesus is Lord of your life, he needs to be Lord of your lips. How sobering is that, right? Oh. Now, I'm a, I'm a words guy. Like, I get, I get hung up on words. I love words. You know, when you, when you look at the five love languages by, by Dr. Gary Chapman, if you've ever looked at it, you probably should. It's a great way to determine how, you, how your love often speaks. One of them is words of affirmation. That's me. I like to give words, and I like to receive words. Sometimes I give the wrong words, right? Sometimes I give the right words. You can, you can buy me gifts, and that's great, and I'm a loving, but you say, the, you say a right word to me, and it could, be, it could lift me up, right? I'm a words guy. I get so hung up on words. When I'm, when I'm preaching, when I'm preparing a message, I carefully craft transition statements, unlike today because I lost it all. But I'm a words guy. Jesus needs to be words, or Lord of your, of your words. And that's not just what you say in moments when you're thinking about it. That's what you're posting on Facebook. That's what you're saying to the coworker that did something you didn't like. That's what you're saying to the boss. That's the email you're writing. You know those kind of emails that you should probably pause and wait like another 24 hours before you press send to see should I really send this? He needs to be Lord of that. He needs to be Lord of the comments we use. He needs to be Lord of what we say behind closed doors. He needs to be Lord of the words we choose when the person isn't around. Right? He needs to be Lord of our lips. What we speak matters. So I have three points for you. First one is this, your words impact other people. There we go. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul said this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think I just need to repeat that one. Do not let any unwholesome talk out your mouth, come out your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So the Bible actually tells us that, hey, there's a way that we should speak. There's a way that we should speak, and the way we should speak is only what is helpful for building others up. Do you know that your words have power in them? Like so much so that it says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 18, it says the tongue has the power of life and death. Your words have power in them. And I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but like I said, words, words mean a lot to me. Do you know Jody is my, my biggest source of encouragement? My biggest source of encouragement. When I, when I come home after Sunday, even if I've done a terrible job, she'll, she'll say, you spoke so well today. And it just lifts me up. Have you ever had someone encourage you like that? Have you ever said, someone, said something kind to you and it just changes your day? Right? You, get, you get the good email, you get the good text message. Someone out of nowhere says, hey, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. And you're just like, oh. Mark Twain said, I can live for two months off a compliment. I can live for two months off of one good compliment. Now, I'm not like Mark Twain. Because the, the, the negative words seem to stick a little bit longer than the, than the good words. I was bullied as a kid. And some of the things that were said to me when I was a kid still ring in my ear today. I still face when I look in the mirror. Because words matter. And what you say will impact the people around you. So the scriptures say, hey, there's a way to speak to others. 
Let no unwholesome talk come out your mouth. Whether they're in the room or out of the room, whether they're in front of you or not in front of you, whether you're with your friends or not with your friends, let no unwholesome talk come out your mouth, but only what is helpful. What if when we were behind people's backs, we spoke helpful things instead? Right? What if when they weren't around, we said things that only built them up? You know, some of us speak so poorly about our spouses behind their backs. What does that make people believe about our spouses? What if we spoke in a way that only lifted them up to those around us? Even if they did something wrong, even if they weren't doing it well, even if we had a bad day, we went and we unloaded on someone and said, hey, listen, I really love my spouse. They're fantastic. And even if someone else is speaking poorly, what about our kids? You know, we have young kids, six five and or six four, and and a baby. And what we often hear as we're navigating this parenthood is that they pick up more than you know. And so we're having to be so mindful of the words that we're using around them. And often Jody and I are like, not even just the words, the phrases, the manner in which you speak, the, the kind of things we're, we're talking about. We have to be mindful because our words impact other people. The tongue has the power of life and death, Proverbs said. So every time you talk, you're choosing to give life or death. You're choosing to speak poison, venom, or give a gift of life. I like how Colossians chapter 4 put it. This is the Passion Translation. It says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Drenched with grace. Anyone ever been like drenched in water before? You're sopping, soaking wet. Drenched with grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It's getting something you don't deserve. What if you spoke in a way to others that gave them what they didn't deserve. So they deserve every, everything that you can think of, right? Every choice word that you can think of. All those like words that you want to say, you're like, they deserve this, but you chose to spoke in a way that drenched them with what they didn't deserve. They do not deserve my kindness. They do not deserve this loving encouragement. They do not deserve to be built up, but I'm going to choose to do it anyway because that is what the scripture tells us to do. And then it says, tempered with truth and clarity. That means to have the temperament or disposition of truthfulness. Don't deceive. Don't lie. Now, sometimes we have to say the hard thing, right? Sometimes we have to say the, the truthful thing, even though it's difficult. But how do we say it? Drenched with grace. It's the, it's the crap sandwich, right? You heard of that before? I say the good thing and I, but not even the crap sandwich, just the grace sandwich. Yes, I said that word. It's okay. You all use it. The grace sandwich. It says, I'm going to speak this, even though it's difficult, drenched in grace. So the middle of the sandwich tastes like you're taking a bite of grace. When you, when you take that, that bite of that truth, it's not hard-hitting. It's not being sucker-punched. It's grace-filled. It's getting what they don't deserve. Wolves, um, wolves are said to, to howl before going hunting to, to, to get everyone excited. They're said to, to howl among the, among the pack to get the pack excited about going out hunting. 
It's kind of like the sports rally, right? Before, before the game, the, the coach and the team, or they're sitting in the locker room and they're getting themselves hyped up and so they're chanting and they're shouting and it just, it energizes them, it excites them and they run out of field. We, you know, what we do every Sunday morning is we gather here, you know, at 9.30 and, and I'm doing this because we gather in a circle. We gather in a circle for a rally to, to get excited about what God is gonna do this morning. What if we spoke words in such a way that it excited hearts? What if the things that came out our mouth excited people? What if when we were gathered with a group, we spoke in such a way that people actually, something built up and something brewed up inside of them and caused them to move forward in their faith or move forward in their calling? What if we spoke in such a way drenched in grace, only what is building someone up, that they actually took a step forward in the purposes that God had for their life? Did you know that your, your words have such weight to them that your word could be the key that unlocks someone taking a step forward in their faith? That it could be the key that unlocks someone actually fulfilling the purpose God has for them? That's why we're a collective community, right? Because you can't just sit by yourself and talk to yourself all the time. Sometimes we need an outside source to come and say, you got this, I believe in you, I see something in you. We, had, we were away this week at a conference and we, we had people speak that over us and it encouraged us. We had that someone speak over our son and say that, and it encouraged us. It, it, it brought life to us when someone says something, even if, like, even if the, when they're saying it, if you're saying it to someone, maybe you see the darkness in someone, maybe you see the difficulty, but you just want to build them up anyway. You can build something up that may not exist there, but all of a sudden it appears there because of what you're saying in their life, because your words impact other people. Words impact other people. We need to be generous with praise and generous with our encouragement. Number two, your words impact the future. What comes out of your mouth could quite literally steer the direction of your life. What comes out of your mouth could quite literally steer the direction of your future. James chapter three says this, horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries such great power. Your words that you speak can literally change and create the atmosphere and set the direction for your life. So what if I, I approach that meeting, instead of approaching that meeting, looking at how difficult it's going to be, I begin to speak life over that meeting and not doubt. What if before I had that conversation with someone, I spoke life about that conversation? What if when I got that diagnosis, I chose instead of speaking fear, I chose to speak the goodness of God? What if I woke up every morning and I spoke lovely or powerful things over myself? Because that sets the direction of my life. That sets me on a course. That sets me, you know, I love the imagery of the ship. Because it says that the ship is, is moved in the water by fierce winds. You can't control the wind. I can't control the wind, but I can control the rudder. I can't control what life brings. I can't control what happens throughout my day, but I can change the direction I'm headed by what I choose to say. So if I wake up each morning with negativity, what am I gonna find? Negativity. 
I, you know, last week I talked about the frequency, the frequency illusion, if you were part of that. If you, if you missed it, go listen to it. But I talked about the frequency illusion, how what we're looking for, you will find, right? What you set your eyes on, you will find. It's the same thing with, with how we speak. So if, if what I think determines what I feel and what I feel determines my actions, do you know that what you speak can determine what you think? Now, I've said this to, to countless people before. Maybe you, you're having a difficulty thinking about it, but if you start to speak it over your life, that's going to change what you think which is going to change what you feel. That's why you see so many like self-help gurus saying, look yourself in the mirror and just say right in the mirror that you got what it takes because you're giving yourself a pep talk because you may not believe it up here, but if you could speak it out here, eventually you're going to change the course of this, which changes what you feel and that changes your actions. Your words impact your future, which leads me to number three. Your words change you. And I'm going to invite Pastor Mitch to come up. Your words change you. You. Do you know you talk to yourself more than any other person? Some of you out loud, right? I, uh, I, when I go over my notes before a message, I'll often, I, I, I say it out loud because it helps me really determine if what I'm saying makes sense, right? I can make sense up here, but sometimes my brain's moving faster than my, my thoughts are. So if I say it out loud, it helps me determine, does this make sense? People probably think I'm crazy. If you hear me in the office, I'm like, I'm like talking to myself. We talk to ourselves more than any other person. What do, what do you say to yourself? What does your inner voice say about you? Psalms chapter 43. One of the things I lost, so I'm going to pull it up on my phone. The psalmist was praying and talking to himself. Does this, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Talking to himself. And then he goes on to give himself a little wolf howl. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Your words change you. The words you speak over your life change you. I had a friend um, who did a, an experiment years ago, and he posted a picture of it on Instagram. For 21 days, interestingly enough, for 21 days, he spoke words of life and death over two jars of cooked rice to see if there was really any power in his words. This is the image. I think we got it. We have it? It should be in the Dropbox. You gotta find it. So there's, there's, there's an image of, of two jars, boiled rice in his fridge. Literally, it's like he took, opened the fridge and took a picture of it. And on the one he wrote hate and ugly, and on the other he wrote like lovely, you know, and some other loving word. And he saw what, what was the change that occurred over this boiled rice over 21 days. There it is right there. So thanks and love, and you'll see hate, fool, hate. Look at the difference. So he took it out of the same cooked rice. He just put it in two different jars. So the one on the right, you'll see that it's starting to rot. You know, there's some mold that looks like there. And the one on the left, though it's foggy, it's pretty clear. And when he posted that, I was like blown away. And so I was meeting with some youth pastors and we were having, we were having lunch. And we got to talking about this image because we all follow this guy. We're all friends with this guy. 
Actually, I saw him at this conference this, this past week. I said, hey, remember that image you posted like nine years ago? I'm talking about that this Sunday. He's like, really? He's like, I still use that. So we're talking about this with this group of people and someone said, hey, you know what? I'm reading a study right now of some scientists are doing something similar about the power of words over the effects of water as water freezes. And the, the water that had words of life spoken over it, as it freezed, had symmetrical crystallization. And the water that had words of death and hatred spoken over it had asymmetrical crystallization. Which is interesting, right? It's interesting to hear that, but it's another thing to see it. But do you know that our bodies are made up of 75% water? Boiled rice, frozen water. What if God designed us in such a way that the words we choose to use actually impact us on a biological level? So what you're choosing to say over yourself and what you're choosing to say over other people actually is impacting them biologically. Because if that's the impact it has on rice, if that's the impact it has on water freezing, what impact is it having on the person you're choosing to speak words of hatred over? What impact is it having over you when you say the things about yourself? What change is occurring on the inside? What is happening? Not only to your heart, but to your body. You know, you see this, this, this movement, maybe new agey kind of movement of the power of positivity. That's a God truth, people. You know, all truth is God's truth, even if it's found in the wrong places. If it's God's truth, it's still truth. There's something to speaking positively over situations that could actually impact other people, could change the course of your future and change you. The words you choose to use matter. They have more power than you know. So what if we as people started to speak life over ourselves? What if, what would Parkway look like? What would this church look like if we just spoke words of encouragement to one another? What would your workplace look like? What would your home look like? What would your future look like? What would your life look like? Where in a few weeks, we're gonna talk about the one who has the power to help us. We're getting there, saving the best for last. But you know what you can do until then? Very practically, add a little gratitude to your vocabulary. It may be really difficult for you, but just give thanks. Give thanks in the bad. Give thanks in the diagnosis. Give thanks in the report. Give thanks when you get the email from the boss. Give thanks when you get the phone call. Give thanks when your kid says that one thing and your kid is now 25 years old. Give thanks in the bad. Give thanks in the good. Don't just give thanks in the, when it's good. Give thanks in all circumstances. There are antidepressants that boost the neurotransmitter dopamine in your brain, which is responsible for the pleasure and reward. We take antidepressants to boost the pleasure and reward system in our brain. There are some antidepressants that increase the levels of serotonin in your brain, which is responsible for like, you know, your, your sleep and your, your appetite and your, and your memory and, and those sorts of things. Do you know gratitude scientific studies have shown boosts both? Boosts serotonin and dopamine. 
There, there's a study that showed that if you just wrote down once a week a few things that you're grateful for, you can boost your happiness by 25%. You know what the Bible says? 1 Thessalonians chapter five. It's almost like God set this up before, right? It says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. How many of you have wondered what God's will is for your life? Give thanks. What's God's purpose for my life? Give thanks. I just want to know what God wants me to do with my life. Give thanks. What is God's will? Lord, I just need to know your will. Give thanks. More often than not, that we're looking for like an occupation, right? Or a mission. The Bible reveals a lot of these different things like this. That's just give thanks because it could change your life. Give thanks because it could change those around you. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray in just a moment, but I thought, hey, let's close by actually putting this into practice. So here's what we're gonna do. Before I pray, I'll close this in prayer. Before I pray, what I want you to do is I want you to take just 30 seconds. I'll tell you when to go, but just take 30 seconds. I want you to think about someone or two people in this room. Maybe it's your spouse sitting next to you or a child or a friend. You know, maybe it's something you don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's someone you haven't said something nice to in a while. Just take 30 seconds, think, and then I want us to go to those people and just encourage them. Just build somebody up today. And it could be as simple as, I really like your hat. Or, I think that shirt looks really good on you. Or maybe it's something a little bit deeper than that. But let's let no unwholesome talk come out our mouths and only what is helpful for building up each other up. Can we do that? You know, one, two, or three people. And I'm gonna give us 30 seconds just to ponder it and pray about it because maybe God's gonna deposit something on your heart that you actually need to share with someone. And listen, you may feel really fearful to share that, but you have no idea what God is gonna do in that person's life if you share it. Because maybe he has a plan in the word that you're gonna share that's gonna change something in them. Okay? 30 seconds, let's just pray and ponder and then let's practice this. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.